is Stuart Pink on Phoenix FM. Yes, it is. It's time for film reviews and movie news. And joining me for film reviews and movie news is the last living man to refuse an offer from a Corleone. It's Mark Searby. <laughs> I like that one. I like that one. That's good. That's good. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's the best intro yet, I think. I quite like that. Yeah. Yeah. You're having yeah, that? Yeah, absolutely. This, You see, this is why I'm in hiding. I'm in witness protection right now. Yeah, you know, we all know your name's not really Mark Searby. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, a, a timely um, uh, intro there as well, because we're going to be talking about the Codleone family a bit later as well, aren't we? We are um, in, yes. in great detail. In I've great called detail. in an expert on Pacino for such things. Oh, right. Okay. Well, that's good. Um, so I'll let them talk then, uh, as long as we've got somebody who knows this <laughs> Look stuff. Look forward to meeting him yeah, later. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> um, but before we get to that, do you know what? I was. I, I want to ask you a question, actually, because I know that uh, you, you don't get around to watching many films, because obviously you're a, you're a busy guy, even though you're in, you know, we're all stuck oh, at home of course. doing other bits. Um, <laughs> I was watching last week, uh, sorry, earlier this week, actually, last week, earlier this week, um, the new 4K Blu-ray release of Akira, which is arguably one of the greatest, if not the greatest, uh, anime films ever made. Uh, and Akira, now, straight away, I'm thinking of Kira Knightley. Right, OK, no, it's nowhere near that. <laughs> it's nowhere near that at all. Um, no. It's a... It really was a pioneer of um, Japanese animation, certainly in the 80s. And uh, from that, we had this big explosion in the late 80s and early 90s. Uh, other films like Ojetsu, um, also uh, Metropolis as well. All, all of these big films that ultimately influenced a lot of people. So like Akira really influenced the Wachowskis for making The Matrix and oh. yeah, yeah, Akira's got this huge, huge influence spread far and wide. So I'm sat there and I'm watching it and whatever else. And my girlfriend walks through and she's like, oh, more anime and whatever else. I'm like, look, I don't watch a lot of anime, but I just, you know, <laughs> I, I try to watch some bits. And the fact that Akira 4K, I'm like, yes, get that in my eyeballs because it's it's literally like being transfixed by something. Um, so I was going to ask you, have you ever seen an anime film, a manga film? Have you ever seen anything like that? I can't say I have. My sister's right into them, and right. Uh, we've reviewed a couple of ones, and they do look pretty stunning in terms of the uh, some of the artwork you see. Yeah, uh, but yeah, never actually sat and watched one. I must admit, I I really got into them probably about. Hmm, I'm going to say around 2002, 2003. I mean, there was a huge surge when I was at school um, in that everybody had a v VHS tape of, of one and we swapped them all around. So I saw quite a few then. But in 2002, 2003, something like that, there was... You remember those magazines that used to come out every month and you got a free DVD with it and the magazine was just about the film? Yeah. 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 So they so used to do those for anime films and it was like 9.99 i'm like well that's all right because you get a copy of the film and you get the booklet telling you all about it so my my blu-rays uh, blu-rays my dvd shelves are stacked with all of these i mean i must have collected about 30 of them or something else like that Did but you keep I still the magazines think... with them no Oh, no, oh. no they've got they're Collectors long gone editions i know i know they're long gone but um <laughs> It just, you know, I was watching Akira and I'm thinking, God, it's, it's, this film still stands up as one of the most futuristic films ever. And yet we're talking about a film that is 30 years old, probably older, actually, thinking about it. I think it is. Yeah. I don't know many animated films, adult animated films as well. Akira is not for kids. I must, I must point that out. 
that stand the test of time like that. Um, it's quite something to, especially an animated film, because they always look dated so fast these days, don't they? Well, this is the thing, you know. I mean, me and you spoke a, a couple of months ago about Shrek and whatever else, and we were saying, you know, it's a good, fun film. It's it's really good. It's still entertaining now. But you watch the animation, you're like, mm, it's a little bit clunky. <laughs> it's not um, much an old PlayStation game. Yeah, kind of. You sort of tolerate it because you're like, well, you know, it's moved on, but Shrek is really funny anyway. And it is. It's great fun. But Akira, the the style of it has not dated at all. Like, it's never gone out of date at all. And I was watching it, and as I said, you know, 4K, and it just looks amazing. It looks even better than when I saw it on on the DVD that I bought, you know, from from the news agents that came with the little magazine. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I know you're not a, a hugely into watching outside of certain bits, but... I mean, if you're going to start, start on Akira. I mean, you were saying that your sister's into it. I, I imagine she could give you a very good plotted history of, of some of these films. Um, oh, probably, yeah. yeah. I think she had all that. They used to have these cards and stuff, uh, like artwork, and, and she, she wow. draws a bit of manga herself. Yeah, she, oh, wow. Right into it. Amazing. So if you ever write a manga script, let us know. We'll, we'll make it happen. <laughs> I, I'm us. not that good. I'm really <laughs> not. Do you know, a friend of mine who I used to work with is heavily into manga books, and I, I would go to him to these, uh, go with him to these shops in, in central London, and he would just be looking at these books, and I'm like, I don't get it. It's back to front. I don't get it. But, he, you know, he always tried to get me into it. I'm like, I don't get it. I'm just going to stick with the films. It, it really is. But, um, yeah, so going, going back to it, um, you know, I would be interested to know what you think to it based on the fact that you've you've sort of got anime slash manga in your peripheral vision because of your sister, but you've never really gone, done a dive into it never at all. Never committed that, yeah. to an actual watch. And as I said, I don't think you need to go and see something like Ninja Scroll or anything else like that or Legend of the Overfiend. I mean, Legend of the Overfiend is is very adult, very adult. But I think watching something like Akira or Metropolis would be very... In, I, I'd be interested to know what your take on it is. I really would. Yeah, I'll add it to my little watch list. Please. And, uh, when, when, I've, when I've watched it, I'll give you my considered opinion. Yeah, do start with Akira, though, because, oh, blimey, what a film. What a film. What a film. Nice. Yeah. What's been going on in the movie world this uh, week, Mark? Well, last week, which it, it dropped last Thursday night, and we didn't mention it on Friday because I wanted to wait for the dust to settle a little bit on it to find out what was going on. But basically, last Thursday night, Warner Brothers in the US, turned round and said, OK, for our entire film slate for 2021, we're going to release them in cinemas and on HBO Max simultaneously. Now, HBO Max is Ooh. a paid subscription service in the US. It's not available anywhere else. It's only US. OK, so you can go to the cinema. But also, if you have HBO Max, you subscribe to it, you can see films. So films like, and this is why... Like the film industry just went what? Because oh, god, I read it. Yeah, yeah, because it was films like Godzilla versus Kong, Mortal Kombat, uh, The Conjuring, The Devil Made Me Do It, In the Heights, Space Jam, A New Legacy, Suicide Squad, The Many Saints of Newark, uh, King Richard, Cry Macho, Matrix Four, and Dune. You know, I mean, huge titles huge there. Huge titles. Those are just some of them as well. I've got to mention that. I mean, they're massive titles. So for them to turn around and say, yeah, listen, you don't have to go to the cinema. You just pay your, I think it's $15 um, here in the US. You can stay at home and watch it. I mean, the, that's a bargain. It is, but. Oh, is that per film? Not, not no, per no, month. no. It's $15 per month. 
Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. So it's kind I'm of moving it's, to America. See you later. <laughs> it is like a, a net, it's kind of like Netflix and Amazon Prime service basically, but it's just for HBO stuff basically. But it's owned mm. by Warner's, you see, so they've got all the Warner's films on there. Um, so this sort of rocked the industry completely. I mean, people were like, yeah. "Well, that's that's the killer of of cinemas basically." Um, and the reason why we didn't mention this on Friday is because I wanted to wait until we had proper word from Warner's here in the UK as to what was going to happen. Um, because we don't have HBO Max. It is not uh, a thing here. Anyway, the word from Warner's here in the UK... to Sky in some way? We seem to... uh, well, <clears throat> I'll come to that, actually. Um, it's a good question. So here in the UK, all of those films will still be going to the cinema. They will all be going to the cinema. We will get them about a week or two weeks before the US... Um, oh, obviously, hey. for, for fears of piracy, I imagine, um, yeah. which is great. So Wonder Woman 1984, we are getting next Wednesday here in the UK. <gasps> it's finally and, coming. Yeah. Um, whereas in the US, that is going to be in cinemas on HBO Max on Christmas Day. So oh. here in the UK, it's still going to be on cinemas. Um, your question about have we got something like that? Warner's does have a tie in with Sky TV and Now TV in that there is an option for them to put it onto a paid, a pay-per-view option after a certain date. So there are um. a moment, and I'm going to repeat this, this is just rumours, okay? These are just rumours at the moment. We've got to wait to see. There are rumours that Wonder Woman 1984 might end up on Sky, on Now TV, as a pay-per-view towards the end of January. As I said, these are rumours. We don't know. Mm. I can't confirm anything. But that might be a model that is taken up here in the UK. We wait to see. Um, so it's been Seems quite a week. As if they're sort of experimenting with it in the US first, do they? Um, and then they'll roll it out to other countries. The, and that the problem is, is what we've seen this year, certainly with Tenet, is that Tenet did very well internationally, but very poorly in the US. And that was mainly because cinemas, theatres as they call them, were not open at all. Yeah. So they've been looking at it in terms of just the US, in, in terms of North America. Um, so that's why they've made this decision. Obviously, internationally, um, cinemas are open all over the place. So that's... Um, that's still the, plan A. Yeah, it's still plan A internationally. That's the good thing, I think. Um, uh, however, over the past couple of days, Christopher Nolan, obviously, uh, who's got a great relationship with Warners, well, he did have a great relationship with Warners, has come <laughs> out and basically said... Uh, this is absolutely ridiculous. You know, this uh, people who have made films that should be seen on the big screen have uh, gone to bed one night thinking their film will be on the big screen and woken up the next morning finding out it's on the worst possible streaming service you can get. I mean, that is pretty harsh, I would say. Not having yeah. seen HBO Max, but I mean, it's pretty wow. harsh. But I understand his concerns, you know, because Christopher Nolan is a man who makes films for the big screen. He doesn't want yes. people to watch films... On, on a small screen or anything. He wants your first viewing experience, if possible, to be seen on the big screen. I get that. So, it's all about that prestige. It is, yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. It still is for him. You know, he's a big proponent of pushing 70 millimetre as well. You know, Tenet was showed in 70 millimetre all around the UK. There were plenty of cinemas that had a 70 mil screening of it, which is great. So this news about Warner's films is, is quite shocking. Shaking um, up the industry. It is. But Warner's have always done that, actually. Uh, they were big proponent, uh, big uh, pushers of VHS. They were, they were the first big adopters of DVD as well. So they've mm. always sort of 
you know, change the game slightly. And initially people were like, oh, no, look at them, whatever else. But in the end, it sort of worked out. However, I, I must say that this decision that they've made about films in the US is only for next year. They're going to wait to see what happens for the following year. So, you know, The Batman, uh, which is okay. obviously a Warner's product, um, mm. I suspect they probably want that on the big screen. But they want Dune on the big screen. But I think they're just a bit worried about it at the moment as to how next year will go in the US in terms of obviously cinemas reopening. Um, yeah. But it's a it's a big piece of news. Big it piece is. of news. Huge. Is it, can Netflix see this as a bit of a win? Everyone else coming around to their yes. way of yes. releasing. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, here's the funny thing is that two or three years ago, all the film studios were absolutely throwing pelters at Netflix. How dare they put these big films straight onto streaming, not put into cinema and not <laughs> uh, not adhere to the 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 14-week uh, window, whatever it is, 17-week window. Uh, how dare they do it and whatever else. Now, and I, I'd said this to you a couple of weeks ago, Netflix have been the film studio that have released the most films in cinemas this year and then put them onto their streaming service two or three weeks later. So, yeah. you know, all of a sudden, Netflix are sat in the corner with a big smug face, a big <laughs> smug face. Because big cigar they, on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, so. so, yeah, I think so. I think this is certainly, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime, got to remember them as well because they're doing the same thing, have mm. really shaken it up. And I think it's, it, you know, it was always coming. I think that's the point. But now it's here and it's been pushed very quickly. A lot of people are like, what? What's going on? No, that's no good. That's no good. We wait to see. We wait to see. 2021 will be an interesting one. It will, yeah. I mean, the good thing is we're getting the films. That's the main thing. We're getting the films. Just depends on where you live as to how you get those films. <laughs> Funnily enough, in America, differently to England. There's nothing to change yes. there, is it? <laughs> yes, that's it. There's a couple in the cinema, though. Should we talk about those? Yeah, let's do the films in cinema this week. 98 FM. This is Phoenix 98FM. It's time for film reviews. Mr. Mark Searby, what we got this week? Uh, so, first film that is in cinemas this week, it's called Dreamland. Uh, it's the story Dreamland. of a, a teenager's adventures as a bounty hunter that uh, takes an unexpected twist. Uh, so... I have to say, I quite look. I was quite in looking forward to this film. I really was, you know, Margot Robbie in a sort of Bonnie and Clyde type film. I mean, that's what it kind yes. of looks like from the poster and from the trailer. Um, they, very they, much so. Yeah, um, it isn't. That's the unfortunate thing. It's very far away from Bonnie and Clyde. This is a film that I think would have benefited from throwing more. Bonnie and Clyde isms into the proceedings, though. Instead, what we're left mm. with is a film that's about 30% interesting and 70% dull. Um, oh, no. Yeah. The the problem with the film is that it spends too long on the young boy's initial dalliances with, with this woman who's turned up to hide out in his barn. Um, so while there may be cause to get to know their backstories and also cement their friendship, it's slow. It's very slow. It just takes too long to even oh. give us a glimpse into what's actually going to happen. And, you know, this is a film that runs just over 90 minutes and it feels ridiculously long. Yeah, um, that's quite a short these days, actually. Yeah, yeah, in but, you comparison. know, listen, I, uh, how many times have I said to you, this film's too long, come on, Struggles trim it to down. Feel too out. Yeah. yeah, so 90 minutes, I'm like, yeah, great, but it seems like it takes forever to find its feet before 
the teenager and the woman run off together for a, a bigger life, basically. But this is where the film actually comes alive. This is the story I wanted to see more of. The outlandish escapades of uh, Eugene and Alison. Because, um, as I said, these are, these are the low-key Bonnie and Clyde moments. But why does it take so long to get to that point? Why are we spending an hour getting to the action part of it? It seems wasteful to me. Mm. That's the thing. Um, I will say... I don't think there's anything better than seeing the swirling sands being whipped up in the baking sun of Texas. You know, the the cinematography in this film is excellent and really captures the Great Depression era. Um, you know, if, the, if this film does one thing right, then I think it's that. I've got to be honest. That's looks um, stunning in the trailer. It does. Yeah, shots. and that's what really captured me. I'm like, great, fantastic. We don't get many uh, Dust Bowl films anymore. That's the unfortunate thing. Um mm. I think the other thing that the film does get right is casting Margot Robbie as Alison. Um, she's this wild, eccentric character. Um, and uh, Margot Robbie looks perfectly at home in this role. I mean, her style fits perfectly in the film and the storyline. I just think it's a real shame that for all of her endeavours with the character, she is by far the standout in the film it just doesn't serve her that well in terms of letting her get stuck into the story and the character. It is a very surface level only character, really. You know, um, that's unlike her. She's yeah, some good absolutely. Stuff. Yeah, she's normally very good at finding that character. You know, you think about Birds of Prey, mm. which I don't think is a very good film, but Margot Robbie's great in it. Think about Suicide Squad, which is a terrible film. Margot Robbie's great in it. You know, Margot Robbie's great in. I don't think I've seen her in a bad. I don't think I've seen her be bad i think that's the point you know she's not bad in this film at all i just think the film doesn't serve her well i'm all for a film about characters but i think when a film spends too long developing them and then rushes that final third of the film you kind of know it's in trouble there's yeah. a great story here about opposites attract it's just a shame that it it's just so incredibly boring. You Not know. quite found it. Yeah, I think a sharper director's mind would have brought that out, certainly. But I think what we've got here is somebody whose les fair attitude is very much, yes, we'll just do this, we'll let it go. And I'm like, yeah, it just needs those sharper pinpoint details. That's the unfortunate thing. Mm, shame. What's Finn Cole like in this? I'm a bit of a bit of a Finn Cole fan. Oh, Peaky are you? Michael Gray. Yes, okay. he knows. He's he seems like he's he's ready to make his big break. Yeah. Do you know this, what? This... As I said, alongside Margaret Robbie, there is good chemistry there. I have to say, but mm. when he's on his own, and this is part of the problem with the film, is that you don't you you get too much story, and the character isn't really absorbing that. That's the problem. Um, I yeah, I think it's a good performance, but there's just not enough there for the actor to actually pin the character to. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. So the writers and directors still stuck in dreamland to uh, <laughs> <laughs> blow the dust off. What have we got next? Uh, so we've got the mole agent. Now, have you seen the trailer for this? Uh, yes, all in foreign language. I don't know if I'm watching the right trailer. Yeah, no, no, that's uh, right. That's right. Well, there is, a, I mean, it is subtitled. We should say this. So this is a, a film from Chile. Okay. Um, now, let me ask you this. Do you think it's a film or do you think it's a documentary? 
uh, I assumed it was a film, but it did look a little documentary-esque okay. from, the, from the trailer, did it? Yeah, yeah. now you mention it. <laughs> uh, right. The reason I ask this is because it's quite a fascinating film in style. Uh, basically, it is a feature film with a narrative story. However, the film was actually shot in a real retirement home by a crew posing as real-life documentary crew. It's only when they finished filming that they said who they really were. Oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, which is fascinating. So That's it's a story cool. about, uh, and you can see why they kept his private when I tell you the story. It's a story about a private investigator in Chile who hires someone to work as a mole at a retirement home where a client of his suspects the caretakers of elder abuse. Oh, like a yeah. secret CIA, yeah. CQC inspector. Yeah, so the, <laughs> in amongst... Um, all of that, the, the the fact that the mole and the private investigator are real people. So while you have this story playing out about the mole trying to find elder abuse evidence, you also have this real life documentary of old people befriending this new guy who's just arrived on the scene. But they don't oh, know yeah. that he's an actor. He okay. So there's lots of footage of the women cuddling up to him and, and the men being a bit standoff with offish with him as well. This all culminates in... Honestly, one of the most funny scenes, it really is, that uh, th there's this big dance that the staff throw where the mole is crowned the king of the dance, right? I've got to say, by the way, this mole is about 80 years old. Um, <laughs> so he's crowned the king of the dance and he gets to dance with several of the women all the way through it. and <laughs> Living they, they the dream. Keep, yeah, exactly. They keep swapping <laughs> around as well. I mean, that type of humorous streak is running all the way through it. Um, so from like older generation struggling to use mobile phones uh, along to their unsureness of what the camera crew are actually doing there and they're a little bit sort of side glancing at everything. I mean, the entire film is laced with humour that's coming direct from real people. That's the beauty of this film. Um, yeah. I've got to say as well, the main storyline is very fun. The The mole, as I said, he's an, he's an older man who still has his wits about him and, and passes the tests set by the private investigator, apart from when he tries to get him to use WhatsApp to send the messages over. This is where it all goes slightly wrong, but it's funny. That's the thing. Um and as the mole continues his investigation, he finds things that may or may not be true. And he has to report them back via a series of recorded messages through WhatsApp. Now, to <laughs> me and you, <laughs> yeah, this is the thing. To me and you, you think, yeah, that's easy. But somebody yeah. who's 80 who only uses their phone to call somebody to, to throw them into that world of, right, you've got to, you've got to press this button to record and then you've got to press Cold the stop. And then you, exactly. <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's, it's very fun. It really is. And I think the film grabs you in two ways. You're fascinated with the undercover agent storyline that, to me, played out like some old Hollywood undercover cop film. Um, yeah. And then I think you'll you'll just become entranced by this real life relationships that are happening within the retirement home. It's it's really interesting. I mean, it's a it's a fake documentary and a non fake documentary all in one, I guess. <laughs> and it works really well. I really enjoyed this film. It's got some great twists and turns in it as well. I mean, I just I, I came away beaming about this film. It really got me. It, I really enjoyed this. Fantastic. 
it seems like a really original way of filming the thing as well to not tell yes. people that this was a has anyone done that before um, set it up as a documentary no, I mean not. there have been I mean you think about you know stuff like Borat and things like that where they've said it's a type of documentary but actually yeah. it's not <laughs> yeah. but something like this I, I it does feel fresh I mean it's been done before but it feels fresh because of the story it's telling and because it's an undercover you know because it's a mole going undercover and stuff like that I think it's hilarious I really do so it does feel like you've never seen anything like this before I mean granted as I said you have but it feels fresh and I like that about it more films like this please Fantastic. So the mole agent, where can you where can you watch that? Is that uh, so that's in cinemas? cinemas. I also believe it is also available on demand as well. Oh. So I think it's about nine ninety nine. Um, available on um, some of the uh, independent cinemas, home on demand services things. So if you type it in, you'll see it. But you know, there's there's some cinemas around. I'm thinking uh, like the I know obviously it's across the border, but um Ipswich Film Theatre, they do it. Um some other places as well. So yeah, it is available of, on yeah. demand. <laughs> nice. Uh what's our next film? We've got another uh a new release? No, no well no. that was it, two cinemas. But we need to get onto DVDs because we've got three DVDs. We do. We do. <laughs> Uh, you better go and revise your notes uh, for this next one because you are, I didn't tell you at the start, but you are the expert. The expert has not turned up, so you will be oh. the Al Pacino pro. Mm. This is going to be troublesome. You go and get your brill crim and we'll come back in a minute. <laughs> this is Phoenix 98 FM. It's film reviews and movie news. We've done the film news. It's time for the movie reviews. I've mixed it all round, but that's all right. Most of Mark's here be... <laughs> Well, we got a DVD this week. So uh, we got three DVDs and Blu-rays to get through, actually. So on <laughs> Blu-ray this week, we have The Godfather Coda, The Death of Michael Corleone. Oh. Yeah. Um, so to say, I mean, this is basically a, a new version of The Godfather Part 3. So for anybody who doesn't know, what happens is Mario um, uh, Francis Ford Coppola has gone back and re-edited the film as to how him and Mario Puzo, the author of The Godfather, wanted the original film to be 30 years ago. Okay, so... Uh-huh. so there's yeah. no new shots, they're not refilmed. No, 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 there's no, there's none of that. I'll, I'll come to what's what's been changed in a moment, but here's what... Firstly, there are millions of people out there who hate The Godfather Part 3, okay? Most of them... How can they disrespect the family? Well, way? well, yeah, I mean. exactly. Um, <laughs> I think most of them blame the acting of Sofia Coppola in the role of Mary for ruining the film. I'm not one of them, actually. I actually think The Godfather Part 3 is a very good film. The reason why I think it's a very good film, and this, ty- this chimes with what Francis Ford Coppola has been saying for 30 years, is that he didn't want to make Part 3. He wanted to make an epilogue. So... That's what he's always called the film. Not a continuation of a saga, but an epilogue. But okay. he's never been satisfied with the version that he put out. Basically, Paramount Pictures turned around to him and said, right, okay, you've got 12 months to write it, film it, edit it, and then get it in cinemas. 12 months to make a Godfather film. That's pretty fast. Yeah. That's yeah. Ass. I mean, come on. I mean, it takes, it's almost that long in the running time. Never mind just to... Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, they put him in an impossible position. So now 30 years later, Coppola has gone back and said, edit it. It's slightly less in length. It runs at about 20 minutes uh, less. Uh, also, the opening scene jumps straight into the Vatican Immobilare storyline, which 
previously we we got a lot of back end uh, back end story from the previous two Godfathers. There was sort of like this slow introduction to, into the Godfather Part Three. Now they've hmm. got rid of that, and what which actually I think gives the film a bit of energy from the beginning. It, it begins with pace, and I don't think it really lets up. Um, some of the scenes are shortened. We get a little bit less of Connie Corleone, which is disappointing because I think Talia Shire's performance in part three is absolutely brilliant. I really do. Um, there's some shortened scenes with Michael confessing his crimes to a priest. And then there's a change at the end as well. Now, this change is a little less literal based on the title. It's more about the death of Michael Corleone in response to what happens on the steps outside the opera rather than the actual death. Okay. Um, okay. So it's so not an alternate I, ending. It's not an alternate ending. It's, as I said, it's just slightly trimmed down. I have to say I preferred this suggested ending rather than the literal ending that's in part three. I think this one works okay. better. Um, I think, do you know what I found interesting about this actually is how zippy and fresh and, coherent it it makes it with just a few tweaks here and there yeah um, the power of editing yeah absolutely and i think if this version had been released in cinemas in 1990 then it would have received so much more love i mean it's not like the godfather part three didn't receive a lot of love i mean it was nominated for oscars um yeah, did it right <laughs> yeah exactly but this is still an epilogue calling it part three feels wrong and you know as i said coppola has never called it that really and now he's managed to get that change officially made now so the godfather coda coda basically means epilogue um so here's here's my point anybody who thinks part three is a terrible film go and watch this version because i think it will change your mind and also for everybody who hated sophia coppola's performance in the first film i think this version will change your mind because her storyline is sharper it's more to the point so I want to say vindication for Sophia because it's deserved. Um, also vindication for her father as well because it's deserved as well. So I think what we've got here is a very worthy director's cut. And, you know, when we get director's cuts, normally they're longer, they've elongated yeah, them. Three times the length. Yeah, exactly. And they put stuff in. And normally it's nice when you get something like that, you see additional bits. That's fine. That's great. But it, it never betters the original there's only a couple of director's cuts that have really bettered the original kingdom of heaven is one of them i would go with apocalypse now redux as well which is obviously francis for coppola film um i think this is as i said this is sharper more to the point it's it plays a lot quicker as well so i think let's throw this in there as director's cuts that are actually better than than the originals Hey, excellent. So mm. do you think there's any chance Godfather Part 1 or Part 2 will get the similar treatment? No. Or is this just a lifelong No, no, no. That's, that's it, basically. Um, the only thing I think most people want now is the Godfather, the complete saga, which was a version that Coppola created for, um, I think it was HBO, uh, way back in maybe the early 90s, maybe the 80s or something, where it basically put everything in a time frame order. So it took all of the bits of young Vito Corleone from part two, put them right at the beginning, and then it so and then it went into Michael Corleone's early so then to Godfather Part One, Godfather Part Two with just Michael, and then into part three. However, it's never been officially released. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, so you could watch the whole thing in timeline. Yeah. From the beginning. So, yeah. So oh. I think I think it ran at about seven hours, seven or eight hours, something like yeah, that. And it aired a couple of times on HBO or something like that in the US, but they've never released it. So that's oh. the next thing I would like out of the Godfather saga, please. Just stick it on over Christmas. It will still be shorter than Spartacus. And uh, <laughs> it's something different. <laughs> nice. So we like part three or... Coda. 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 We like Coda. Three, I mean, I like part three. That's the thing. I like part yeah. three. I stick up for part three. You know, I've, I wrote in my book um, that I, I'm a big fan of part three, and these are the reasons why. So to bring something new to the table, you really have to make something. And I think that's what Coppola has done with this. He's he's brought something fresh to the table, made it, a, as I said, a bit zippier. I think that's the thing. Nice. You mentioned a book. Have you written a book? <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, yeah, yeah. Al Pacino, the movies behind the man. It's a, a filmography of every film that he's ever made. So um, deep dives into all of the Godfather films, including part three. Oh, nice. And where can people get out of that? If they oh, it's freely available to, uh, from all of your usual uh, online digital book stockists. Oh, excellent. I'll, I'll have a look. Please do. I might put a link in the, uh, in the website <laughs> just in case yeah. uh, I forget where to look. That's, that'd be good. What else we got? Uh, this so a, ch- a change of pace here, okay. Um, I get the feeling that <laughs> yes. this is going to be right up your street. I really do. Um, so an American pickle. Uh, this is a story of an immigrant worker at a pickle factory who is accidentally preserved for 100 years and wakes up in modern-day Brooklyn. Um, I mean... <laughs> Fantastic idea. Uh, honestly, this... The, Clearly the premise, a true story. Yeah, the premise alone sounds like it should be an episode of South Park. It really does. Um, however, yeah. it's actually based on a short story uh, by somebody called Simon Rich. It's called Sellout. Um, now it's been transferred to a feature film starring Seth Rogen in a dual role as Herschel Greenbaum, uh, the man who got pickled, and then his great-great-grandson, Ben Greenbaum. I think, <laughs> and I don't know, I mean, what's your opinion on Seth Rogen? Do you like him? Do you hate him? What's Oh, he... I love Seth Rogen. Mm. He mm. plays a very, you usually know what you're going to get with him, don't you? He's not, I think not so, particularly yeah. experimental. I uh, think certainly over the past well. decade, he's really found his feet. Like he knows the type of comedy he should be doing, which is a little yeah. bit of stoner comedy, a little bit of serious comedy as well. That's the thing. Um, you know, I think when he puts his mind to a role, you get a performance like this where he's excellent. There's something so enjoyable about both characters, but for very different reasons. Um, so Herschel is plunged into this new modern world where he doesn't really understand anything. You know, he's this fish out of water, basically. And I think it's hilarious watching him try to understand not just the modern era, but just walking around the streets of Brooklyn, observing <laughs> the different types of people. Um, the the inhabit it nowadays compared to obviously a hundred years ago. Then there's the flip to that. Ben is this jaded thirty something guy who works from his apartment trying to develop an app that will make him millions. <laughs> Neither of them can really understand how the other one lives. Yeah, I mean, difficult for a person from a hundred years yeah, ago to um, understand what an app is. That's the thing. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't help that Ben. Uh, it doesn't help Ben when Herschel becomes a bit of a celebrity on the local food circuit because of his pickling techniques. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All-star right? pickler. Yeah. Um, so we, we <laughs> see tempers fray and, you know, they start to fall apart. Interestingly, I think this is all set within the Jewish community. There are many f- times that the film lampoons and jokes about the religion. However, it's never done in a really nasty way. It's done in a way that it laughs 
at itself. And I think Rogan is very good at that. You know, he has this unique ability to make every joke funny and yet also a little bit sad as well. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> and I, I think within this film, he does that, especially with the two performances, because he really does capture the highs and lows of two popular um, yet opposite Jewish men. That's the thing here. Um, and mm. also, I don't think you need to know a lot about the Jewish way of life. It's a very accessible film. And it's, you know, it. here's what it reminded me of. And this is going to sound a little bit weird. It reminded me of a cross between Borat and California Man. If you ever remember <laughs> California Man with Paulie Shaw. Um, it's got all of the stupidity of those films, but all of the heart and humanity that you would want from a film like this. You know, I think this film will surprise a lot of people as to how tender it really is as well. That's the thing. It's a very, pardon the pun here, Stuart, because I know you're normally the, the pun king on these things, but I'm going to say it. this is a very, very sweet film. Oh, it's a sweet film. Yeah. I was wondering where we were going to go with this one. You, <laughs> you could have this one. Honestly, it, it, it's so, I, I really, really enjoyed this. I just howled with laughter all the way through. I got a little bit teary-eyed as well. Oh. And yeah, I just think Rogan has really knocked it out of the park with this one. I'm really impressed with it. Really tickled your taste buds. <laughs> <laughs> it was a bit sharp, shall we say. The, the pickle was a bit sharp. Nice. What's our next one? We've got two more. Uh, yeah, okay. well, we've got one more. So Trial by Fire, which is out on DVD. And this is the tragic and controversial story of Cameron Todd Willingham, who was executed in Texas for killing his three children after scientific evidence and expert testimony that bolstered his claims of innocence were suppressed. Oh, blimey. Yeah. So yeah. the thing is, we, we've all seen and heard stories like this before on television, in films and in books, yeah. etc. Um, well, basically all types of media. But this subject um, in the US continues to be a hot topic. This film, while it has the greatest of intentions, I don't think quite lives up to its original billing. It's almost light in its storytelling and when you have a story like Willingham's to tell I think it needs to be more powerful almost quite ruthless. a big story yeah. yeah almost ruthless in its delivery and I think this film doesn't quite manage it it's a little bit too long it's it's just over two hours maybe a trim of about 15-20 minutes might have helped keep the pace and energy up um, the film does does suffer from slow pace. I've got to be honest. You know, sure, this is a courtroom prison drama, but the urgency and energy, I think, are, are lacking for a lot of this film. The scenes between Jack O'Connor's Willingham and Laura Dern's Elizabeth are by far the best bits of the entire film. Nothing else matters in those scenes. It's solely focused on just them two talking to each other, you know, understanding each other and becoming friendly with each other as well. It's the I, I think it's these moments nice. that give greater insight into each character and i think it's a pleasure to watch both actors really go at it and elevate the dialogue and the scene as well if the film had more of jack o'connell and laura dern together then i think it would have been an absolutely fascinating watch it might have been overkill but it would have been great overkill um i just think it's a shame that the rest of the film lacks that sparkle and energy instead it it hmm. sort of comes across as a bit of a Green Mile homage slash ripoff. Um, yeah, I thought it looked a bit Green Mile when I tried yeah, it. Yeah, the, there's elements of this film that should have had greater emphasis and dug deeper into, into scenes. But instead, the film just sort of 
trundles along, try, trying to make its point about ex- the execution bill in Texas and yeah. also about, you know, innocent before being proven guilty. But it just feels a little bit lackluster. That That's the unfortunate thing. As I said, uh, O'Connell and, and Dern are fantastic together. The rest of the film, mm, just frustrating. Frustrating as to how lackluster it is. Failed to execute. <clears throat> It's out too fast, probably a bit too yeah, soon. Yeah, isn't it? yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, shame. What can we watch on the uh, other telly box this week, Mark? Well, Anything you picked I, out for us? Yeah, I have actually. Um, so Saturday night, nine thirty pm on Channel Four, we've got an Oscar winner. Oh, The Shape you? of Water. Oh, The Shape of Water. So yes. Guillermo del Toro's that lovable fish. Yeah, Guillermo del Toro's fish romance story, as some people like to call it. Um, <laughs> for me, one of the best films that ever came out this year, uh, that year actually. I think it's absolutely amazing. It's got del Toro's gothic stylings all over it. It's also got del Toro's romance style in there as well. Sally Hawkins, who continues to go from strength to strength in everything we see. You know, earlier this year, I said to you, her performance in Eternal Beauty is fantastic, absolutely mesmerising, one of her best ever. And I hold that right up there with The Shape of Water, her performance in that. I think she's phenomenal in this. Um, You know, it's it's one of those movies that kind of grabs you and doesn't let go, but in, in a very nice way. You know, you become transfixed by what this woman is doing with a, an amphibian, basically. An amphibian like man. Modern remake of uh, Beauty and the Beast, in a way. Yeah, it is. Yeah, well, you know, Gel- uh, Del Toro has always been fascinated with stories like that. He's been fascinated with Beauty and the Beast. He's fascinated with Creature from the Black Lagoon. So it's kind of an amalgamation of those and more, obviously. Um, but yeah, one of the best films of the year that came out and, you know, a deserved Oscar winner as well. Thank goodness we've given it to Del Toro. It means he can go and make other things, which is fantastic. So nice. The Shape of Water, 9.30 p.m. on Channel 4 on Saturday. Excellent. Watching that. So, Sunday, we... Sunday. I was going to go with The Godfather because it's on BBC Two. However, I thought oh. probably a bit too on nose, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, and also it's Christmas. So I've gone for a Christmas film. Okay. Um, oh, here we go. This is the TV premiere of The Grinch, but it is the third version of The Grinch. So the one that came out in 2018. Um, oh, so yes. this is at, this is on 5.20pm on ITV. Um, this is... I really like this version. Actually, I like all versions of The Grinch, I've got to be honest, but for very different reasons. This one is very much aimed at young kids. I've got to be honest. The, the animation is very bubbly. It's very fun. Um, it's not dark like Jim Carrey's Grinch is. It's not mean uh, like the uh, Boris Karloff version is either. This is very fun. It's very upbeat. I really like it. I, I like it. I probably like it more than I should do because as I said it's, it's really aimed at a lot of small kids. It, it sort of does away with the Grinch's really Grinchiness and he's just sort of a bit of a curmudgeon. That's about it. Um, and he's got a dog in it that's really fun as well. I mean, it sticks to to Dr. Seuss's story, but they've sort of tweaked it here and there. Um, I think this is oodles and oodles of fun. Um, sadly, it didn't get... It didn't get the rave reviews it deserved, I don't think. And I think a lot of people just sort of looked at the poster or looked at the trailer and thought, no, it's not for us. It is. It's so much fun. It's really entertaining. Um, Yeah, I I can't say much more than that apart from watch it because I think you will really be entertained by this. Get you in the Christmas mood. 
just did time. Well, it well. gets somebody like me in the Christmas mood, which is, you know, Grinchy, but at the same time, by the end, <laughs> my heart has grown three sizes. Um, so, yeah, I, I honestly, I'm a big fan of this. I'll tell you how big a fan of this film I am. I've got Grinch slippers from this film, which <gasps> oh, I wear wow. all the time. I wear them all the time. I really do. But yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I really like this film. As I said, very different to the other two versions, which is what they were aiming for. And I'm pleased with that. And they've gone with something different. So, yeah, the, the Grinch 2018 version, um, ITV, 5.20pm on Sunday. Excellent. And I cannot wait to see those Grinch slippers on Christmas Day when we're on. You're going to have to bring them in. <laughs> Do you know, I've got more than that. That's the thing. I've got Grinch slippers. I've got Grinch socks. I've got a T-shirt as well. Um <laughs> I think fully, one... fully green man. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm ju- I just really like the character. That's the thing, and it's not as though I'm <laughs> grinchy about Christmas. I really like Christmas, but yeah, there's something about it that really, um, I, I really, really like. That says something, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what could we? Uh, what we talked about next week? We could oh, plan next week. <laughs> God willing. So next week we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman 1984. <gasps> Yes, it's yes. been about three years since they said it was coming it out. It has, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We're going to be talking oh, about... I anticipated. I know, I know. I think a lot of people are looking forward to this. Uh, we're also going to be talking about uh, Chadwick Boseman's last ever film. It's called Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. It's getting a oh. lot of awards love. It really is. Nice. Um, then on DVD, we're going to be talking about Christopher Nolan's film, Tenet. So if you didn't see it at the cinema, it's out on DVD and Blu-ray and 4K next week. We're also going to be talking about a completely different take on Pinocchio. Oh, yes. Yes. Honestly, you need to tune in next week just to hear this version of Pinocchio. It is like nothing you have ever seen before. Oh, and no excuses, otherwise your nose will grow and we'll know you're lying. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I listened in. Well, your nose is growing. Hmm. Say no more. (laughs) excellent I look forward to it we shall reconvene next this time next week we'll speak next week Phoenix 98 FM go to phoenixfm.com and listen to online guest interviews check the events for your area and listen to great radio online this is Phoenix 98 FM 98 FM